Ag State of Mind, Episode 11. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a member of the Global Ag Network. I'm your host, Jason Meadows, and today on the show we have Clay Connery. Clay is the host of the Working Cows podcast. I often reference Clay as to, in some of my previous episodes, because he has been such a big influence on what I've been doing. I've been a listener of his and avid follower he and his podcast are a big reason that this podcast, the Ag State of Mind podcast, exists in the first place. Over the past few months, Clay has been very gracious with his time and knowledge, helping me get the things that I needed to start my own podcast, counseling me on various equipment and various software to use. So he's been he's been very, very gracious with all his time and effort, and uh, I am very much appreciative of that. So today on the show, we talked to Clay a bit about his background, about his, how he got his start podcasting. And I think you'll notice a little bit of similarity in our backstories that we both really loved ranching. We both learned to really love ranching after we left for college. Um, it's kind of the absence makes the heart grow fonder type thing. So we talked to him about that. We talked to him about the future of agriculture and how his show the working cows podcast is helping people enjoy the lifestyle of ranching and in that essence our missions are the same as we're both trying to improve the agriculture community so um, before we get to the podcast i'll encourage you to go check out our patreon page and become a patron of the show the ag state of mind podcast um, you can find that at patreon.com slash ag state of mind if you would like to support us we would greatly appreciate it. And if you haven't already, please go and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, Google Play. That way you'll be sure to never miss an episode. So without anything else, I'll go ahead and get into my conversation with Clay Connery of the Working Cows podcast. All right, Clay, welcome to the show today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for the opportunity. Yes. How are things up in South Dakota? Beautiful fall day. Is it? Yes, sir. Now, did you guys get some of that snow a couple of weeks ago? Uh, yeah, it was, it was, well, actually just uh, Saturday night and uh, Sunday were pretty, pretty hairy, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it shaped up. So uh, it, I mean, it was just high winds, rain, snow mix kind of thing going on, but yeah, we got through it. <laughs> just regular old snow would have been better. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> So what is a what is a beautiful fall day outside of Belfouche, South Dakota? Mm, I guess um, sun shining, the wind isn't blowing too hard, and you know we're probably in the upper forties, maybe maybe low fifties by this afternoon. So, and and cows are selling at Faith Livestock today, so that's a good day. Oh yeah, that's those are the best days. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you don't mind, tell me a little bit about your. I, I find your background interesting because it's not a whole lot different from mine. And uh, so uh, tell me a little bit about that and kind of your 
life, your road leading up to what you're doing currently, which is the the host of the Working Cows podcast? Sure. Well, I think that one of the interesting things about my background is that I did not enjoy ranching growing up. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I think that it was just the cows. I looked at them as the, that's where all my, my weekends went. You know, all my friends were doing other things on the weekends. I was helping with the family cow herd because my parents and on the backside of it, I have a lot of respect for what they did. You know, they started a cow herd. They started a ranch from nothing, you know, and uh, no help from their parents did it on their own. And both of them, you know, worked 35 plus years at jobs in town. Uh, Both of them worked 35 plus years at the same job in town to build the equity that they needed to, to start it. And uh, right now it's a a good running cowherd operation. And uh, that's just a testament to the fact that they were willing to stick it out. But uh, from my perspective as a selfish, young adolescent, teenager, um, young adult, I resented the cow herd a lot. And then I spent two years in Milwaukee going to Bible school and uh, got, you know, everything I wanted as far as all the activities that the city had to offer. And even if I was a broke college student, there were cheap seat movie theaters that I could go to and stuff like that. So I got to experience all that. And I, I remember coming back and getting out of my car to fill up with gas one time in Western South Dakota and smelling fresh air and realizing that <laughs> there's a difference between that city air and and this fresh Western South Dakota air. And I uh, started, that was probably the start of me being uh, wooed back to this part of the world. And since then I have gotten more and more progressively more involved on the operation, Uh, you know, branding, calving heifers, helping out in those capacities. And then uh, spent the last year and a half or so working uh, side by side with my dad three days a week and uh, just kind of as a part-time ranch hand for him. And uh, that, that came to an end here recently as I took a new position at a, at a new church, a little way, way out remote Western South Dakota, and uh, have just closed on a property there that my wife and I bought where we're going to be able to run some, run some cows or run some sheep and custom graze some cows. Maybe we haven't really nailed down our plan yet, but we're looking to stay involved in this agricultural lifestyle for the rest of our lives and uh, raise our kids in, in that way. And, uh, you know, this, the church that I'm in is all ranchers, you know, everybody is either a rancher or a ranch hand. And so uh, it's definitely a new kind of a culture that we're, we're part of here and, and one that we're really enjoying. How big is that church? Oh, it depends. We get about 60 people on a Sunday. Half of them are probably kids under the age of 10 years old. <laughs> There's a lot Which of... Which is great. That's right. like, that's the best kind of church, I think. <laughs> yeah. You know, I yeah. think the old saying goes, the church isn't crying, it's dying. Isn't that yeah. what, the way yeah. it goes? Yeah, I suppose, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we had a conversation with my family. My brother came out yesterday and my my uh, parents come out sometimes and my in-laws come out most Sundays, even though it's a, almost a hundred mile, 85 mile drive one way for them. They come out and sit with the, my wife and, and the kids in the church. Cause I always say the pastor's wife is a single mom on Sundays. And so they, I really uh-huh. am grateful to them for coming out and, uh, and helping with that. But anyways, we had a conversation after church and we're talking about the fact that, all the kids stay in the service. And, uh, you know, some people 
their kids make noise during the service. And I'm like, well, you can't say that you want young families in church and then not <laughs> be willing to put up with the noise that their kids make. Right. And yep. so I just, mm-hmm. I, I try to, I try not to call attention to it. I just keep preaching and uh, hope everybody can hear over it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm a little interested. Why, why did you choose Milwaukee? Why did you go? Because that seems a lot. To me, that seems a long way to go to Bible college somewhere. I mean, wasn't there somewhere closer? <laughs> yeah, there probably was. Um, actually, I know there was, and 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 they are their their histories are somewhat intertwined. There's there's a Bible college about five hours from from me that I could have gone to. Uh, Milwaukee was 13 hours from me, so I I guess I give credit where credit is due that God just ordered my steps and uh, and I ended up there. You know. Um, I went to a Christian boarding high school, my senior year of high school. We took a senior class mission trip to Milwaukee, worked in the Milwaukee Rescue Mission, uh, worked in the homeless shelter, worked in the youth department, worked in the men's department. We did a little bit of work in the women's department, but that was a lot of high risk uh, women who were kind of on the run from really rough situations and they didn't let them have much contact with public just because of safety concerns. So anyways, we did that mission trip and uh, all of the students that were staff in the youth department were uh, students at the Bible school that I ended up attending. And so they told me about the Bible school, didn't require general education classes, which was kind of appealing to me. So I, I, uh, <laughs> I went ahead and, and I went through two years of Bible school. We went through every chapter of the Old Testament and every verse of the New Testament in two years. So it was just a good fit for me as far as an opportunity to get a real good, solid Bible education for an affordable price. And, uh, you know, a lot of private Christian colleges, even at that time, could have been upwards of $20,000 a year. And, and now we're beyond that, you know, uh, with the subsidies that, that a lot of right, uh, schools right. have, have been receiving, their, their tuitions have been increasing. So, Right. Well, I, I remember the fr- when I listened to your intro podcast, um, the introduction to your Working Cows podcast, and I mean, I just could not help but see the similarities between you and I and our, our relationship with, with agriculture, our relationship with cattle ranching, because that's the exact way I felt too. You know, it, it's not that I did not enjoy it, but it wasn't, it was like you said, it was more of a burden or a... I think, I guess burden is probably the correct word in that it just kind of like, it's kind of cramped my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never, never imagined that it would be something that I would enjoy until I was removed from it. I, I like you, I left for college only. I didn't go 13 hours away. I went about an hour and a half away to St. Louis. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that was that same thing that I didn't realize how much I enjoyed it until I was away from it. And then that first break, I came back for college. I said, you know, this is what I want to do. And I, I just, uh, you don't, you, it's one of those things. You just don't know what you have until you don't have it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So the working cows podcast, where did that come from? Where did that, you know, because it, it's kind of a, I feel like it's kind of a pioneering idea to talk about the things you're talking about in the medium that you are in, in podcast format. And it's not something that's very common. Yeah. So I guess I'll give credit where credit is due in that regard. Uh, Dallas Mount uh, challenged uh, a classroom full of people. 
that somebody mm-hmm. in that classroom needed to start a podcast for ranchers. And, uh, you know, I spent up to that point, I'd been uh, on staff at a church for 10 years. And so I had a lot of the technical, uh, aspect of starting a podcast covered that I'd kind of received on the job training for and uh, really enjoyed all that part of it. And so that wasn't the hard part. And I'd always listened to podcasts. I've been a podcast junkie for, I don't know, uh, five years or so. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so there, everybody in the podcast space seems to say, well, you should start a podcast sometime when they're interviewing a guest or just to the, to the listeners of their audience, you should start a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know really what I would talk about you know, I had a weekly sermon podcast that I was helping produce for the church and, and that was scratching that itch, so to speak. And then I heard Dallas challenge that group of people, somebody should start a podcast and my stomach jumped. I'm like, Ooh, I could do that. You know, I I could do that. I've (laughs) I've been around cows my whole life. I could at least uh, find people to talk about and ask questions on a somewhat intelligent basis. And, and they could hopefully give me more intelligent answers and I can learn something. And so, uh, he did it three times, just said it every, every time it was a two days a month uh, over the course of four months. So I think the classes were June, August, uh, September and November. And so he did it. And then, so three times he challenged us. And then I told him when I was coming back for the November class, I said, I'm going to launch my podcast on Monday after class. And he allowed me to stand up and give a blurb about it. And so, uh, yeah, it was just that, that whole continuing education experience of the High Plains Ranch Practicum, which they're just finishing up this year. I think November, mm-hmm. they're going to have their last class of the High Plains Ranch Practicum that Aaron Berger, who's been a multi-time guest on my podcast and mm-hmm. Dallas Mount, who has left the extension agencies and is now taken over uh, ranch management consultants and the uh, ranching for profit schools mm-hmm. and executive link and all the different things they've got going there from Dave Pratt. So they're wrapping up the High Plains Ranch Practicum. Um, and so that, that school was a lot in that, uh, vein of thinking as far as the low cost managing for profit, uh, managing the key resources of land, animals, people, uh, and then economics and finance in there as well. And so that class changed the way I think about ranching. (laughs) And so, I've been basically now on just about a two-year journey coming up here on two years of podcasting and uh, just been on a two-year journey of finding people who are ranching in this way and asking them questions uh, because I genuinely want to know. And this has been the most affordable continuing education uh, that I've ever done. I will say I, for one, am so glad I found the podcast because it really makes me question the things that I'm doing and have been done in our operation for several decades. You know, I mean, things, you know, you talk about this a lot, things aren't like they were 20 years ago. So, I mean, the people who stay successful and stay, you know, ahead of the curve are the people who are thinking outside the box and willing to ask the questions why and, uh, you know, really get down to the deep answers, you know, and it's, uh, it's not always easy. It's, it's hard a lot of times to, to do some things and, you know, have your neighbors call you crazy. (laughs) And, uh, you know, uh, it's, you know, that those coffee shop conversations may not be as, as comfortable as they once were, but you know, the guys at the coffee shop aren't the ones paying the bills either. So, um, I, for one can tell you it's made a big difference in my life and how I go about thinking about how things are done. 
You know, and one of the things that I've repeated over and over again through the podcast is that I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm just here to give you something to think about. And, uh, sure. you know, the regions that are covered by that podcast are so varied and different that I couldn't possibly tell somebody how to do anything because their region is so different than my own. And it's so different than the guests that I'm interviewing, you know, cause I, I'm interviewing people from Australia and South Africa and Canada and, and Mexico. And I'm, I'm interviewing people from the Chihuahua desert of Mexico where they get, you know, six to nine inches of rain on a good year. And I'm, I'm interviewing people from the, just within Mexico, I'm interviewing people from the Chiapas region of Mexico that get 60 inches of rain a year. So, you know, it's so varied and different in everything, but the principles are the same and the principles work everywhere they're tried. And so that's kind of what it is about. I'm not trying to tell people what to think. I'm just giving them something to think about. I was really, one of the most interesting ones I think was just, uh, oh, probably a couple months ago when you had the gentleman on from, from China and, uh, it was, uh, I can't, I think you referred to him as Alex. Mm-hmm. Um, but his, his, just his day in, day out is <laughs> his operation was so fascinating to me because, you know, you don't think of that, of China in that sort of capacity. Um, I think you think of a lot of industrialized farming, you think just, you know, factories and industry, just, you know, not even much about agriculture at all. And to hear that they're doing some of these concepts that you talk about over there was really fascinating to me. Right. And that's the other thing that I have noticed about the podcast is as you open up these different areas of the world, you recognize that they're not the pictures that you see on the postcard. You know, the, the whole country of China isn't snow monkeys that you see on the postcard. You know, it, it, there's more to it than that. And, and it's way more varied because it's such a huge place. And, and, and Australia is the same. You know, there are parts of Australia that get 30, 40 50 inches of rain a year. And there are parts of Australia that have been in a drought for seven years. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's just been a a really eye opening thing that way. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So as you know, this podcast here is about mental health and agriculture and how it affects those of us in agriculture, how changing the way we think about things and do things can make us lead a happier life. And part of Part of your tagline for your podcast is maximizing the joy your family receives from this lifestyle. And I always thought that was so interesting and just a great way to think about it because, you know, so many people wear the ranch, wear the operation as their identity. And instead of, oh, someone said, you know, the you serve the farm or the ranch, but instead it should serve you. Mm-hmm. And I just what you're doing, the the ways that you are bringing to attention, you know, some of these new, new concepts, that's really kind of what's at the forefront of what you're doing. And uh, just talk to me a little bit about that, about why you're doing that, why you're wanting to change the way you're doing things and, you know, how important it is for people to be happy in these ranching businesses. I think that, you know, a good illustration of that is when I was in the High Plains Ranch Practicum, one of the things that they do is take you out to different ranches and take you on tours of them. Mm -hmm. And this one guy who was a graduate of the High Plains Ranch Practicum, we went and toured his ranch. It was the CSU 
Maxwell Research Ranch. So Colorado State University's Maxwell Research Ranch. And it's not owned by the university, but it was gifted to them. This ranch was gifted to them and they do a lot of different research. And so uh, their AI and the cows and their, their way in the calves at birth, and they're just trying to play with a lot of different genetics to see what works and what doesn't. Well, he goes through this High Plains Ranch practicum and he has the highest unit cost of production of anyone in the room. And so we're talking, when we talk about unit cost of production, we're talking about we've broken down all of the costs in our ranch business and we are we are seeing what it costs us to raise one pound of beef. And then are we getting paid more than it costs us to raise that one pound of beef? And it's a very eye-opening exercise. Well, he had the highest unit cost of production of anybody in the room. So he's like, wow, I got to change some things. So he goes back and he starts to change some things and uh, he starts to, to gain some ground and make some progress and, and things are really starting to happen. Well, then I think it was 2013 and that part of the world comes along and uh, he shows us some range monitoring pictures and they're amazing. You know, he, he's showing us the difference from year to year and how the grass was approving. And then he comes to 2013 and it just looks like a desert. There is not mm-hmm. a blade of grass out there. You know, the, the old joke, you know, a grasshopper would have to pack his lunch to make it across that, that, uh, <laughs> that place. And it was the same place, you know, the year before that had just been lush and green and, and full of grass and, and then there's just nothing. And so, and they ended up having to destock the ranch. I think it was like 60%, you know, and, and we're, we're people, you know, we get attached to animals, we get attached to these cows. And so that was a hard thing for him and his family. You know, he's got his whole family on their wife and kids. And uh, he said, uh, as that last truck load of cows went away from there, I decided I'm going to do whatever it takes to make ranching as fun as possible. And so they got rid of the four wheelers, they brought in the horses, you know, and they started to ranch on horseback and just make it an enjoyable experience for everybody because they all enjoyed that more than the four wheelers, not saying right, wrong or indifferent, but that's just what they enjoyed. And so they made a decision based on what was best for their family. And now is it the most efficient decision? Maybe not, but it is the decision that was right for their family and best for their family. And then another thing is that I've I've really appreciated Derek Schwanebeck, who's become a good friend as a result of the High Plains Range Practicum and the podcast is he always says, the joy that your family receives from this lifestyle is the true definition of profit. Whatever makes you happy is the true definition of profit. And so you have to, if you can make the numbers work and it makes your family happy, you know, then go for it because that's, that's the true definition of profit. Now to talk about the bottom line issues, you know, it's, it's just a, a simple matter of fact that if you're struggling to pay the bills and if you're having to dodge calls from the banker and if you're trying to figure out how are we going to pay for X, Y, and Z this year, that that's a stressful, difficult situation to be in. And if there's a way that you could change your management to get out of that situation and relieve that stress, that probably the people who are involved in the ranch are going to receive a lot more enjoyment from it. I think I I talked about this to somebody one time and a lot of times we measure success and we measure growth in dollars and cents. And even though that, I mean, that's obviously if we're going to have a business, it has to be profitable and it has to make money, but that's not the only thing. Enjoying yourself is a big part of that. And that's a big part of, you know, this, 
the word that gets thrown around a lot is sustainability. And, you know, a big part of sustainability is making sure what we're doing is making us happy and is enjoyable. You know, I mean, it might kind of sound a little funny to, you know, kind of, you know, the word that, you know, the phrase they use is woo woo, but (laughs) um, to think of things that way. But I mean, you know, if we really get down to it, if we're not happy, why are we doing it? Mm-hmm. You know, and I I remember what you're saying, do what makes you happy. You know, if if raising 800 pound Korean cows makes <laughs> you happy, do that. If raising 1600 pound Angus cows makes you happy, do that. Do, you know, you've got to find, I think, kind of the sweet spot to where you are enjoying what you're doing, but at the same time, you have a profitable business. You know, and an, another thing that I think goes along with that is something that I've I've had Dave Pratt on a few times and uh he often says that that you maybe you're not running a business but you're just working at a job when you spend more time working in the business than you do working on the business when you spend more time fixing fence baling hay pulling calves building water traps and those things you're working in the business rather than working on the business figuring out how you can make a profit in the industry. And so do you have a job or do you run a business is kind of one of those things that you can start to think about a little bit differently to help you move towards profitability in your ranch business. Yeah. Dave Pratt, his, his teachings, his videos, you know, are really, really fit in line with the new way I'm trying to think about things. And, you know, his book, healthy land, happy families and profitable businesses. I mean, what else do you, you know, what else is there if you're going to be a rancher, you know, I right. mean, those are, those are the three things, you know, that, you know, are, are most, you know, if you can lump everything together, that, that is most important, you know, that's what it is. And, you know, he is just, uh, you know, I've just from the few videos I've been fortunate enough to watch of him, um, you know, on YouTube and whatnot, he was, he's really been a, an asset to, to the industry. Yeah. And I, th- I think the paradigm shift there is that, you know, all the way back to episode two of the Working Cows podcast, I had Dallas Mount on and I asked him, what is what are the roadblocks to success? And we were talking about the four pillars of a ranching operation. Just to review those again, they are economics and finance, land, cattle and people. And, you know, which one of those is the a biggest roadblock to success? And he said, without a doubt, it's the people. You know, and then which one is the second biggest roadblock? Economics and finance. Mm-hmm. Well, not surprisingly, <laughs> the least obstacles or the, the obstacles are least in your way of being a successful farmer or rancher are the the animals in the land because you enjoy working with the animals and the land. Uh, you don't enjoy the economics and finance and maybe nobody's ever trained you how to deal with conflict resolution or managing people in a business mindset way. So I think that when we get that paradigm shift through in our head that we are managing all of these assets as business owners and the people are the most important asset that we manage and the people are the ones that we need to make sure that we're taking the time to check in on their health just as much as we take the time to check in on the health of our animals. And that is holistically, when we talk about people health, we talk holistically, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially, we check in on them in all of those areas. And uh, sometimes those conversations are uncomfortable. Yeah, they are. And, 
I, I can't speak for everyone's dad, but you know, I know for me, my dad taught me how to build fence. My dad taught me how to check cows. My dad did teach me some, you know, a lot about the financial side of it. He didn't de- teach me a whole lot of conflict management, you know, because you just did it his way or you didn't do it. That was his, you know, and, uh, you know, moving forward, that's not always, you know, I mean, that might've worked back in the 60s, 70s and 80s, but it's not really going to work going forward. And so that people pillar is a huge obstacle, a huge challenge. But um, like you said, one of it's one of the most crucial to be able to deal with people in a healthy way, in a holistic way, you know, and you brought up an interesting point, something I, I like to talk about myself is, you know, health is a very all-encompassing term. There's so many aspects of your health and, you know, mental health is something we don't necessarily, you know, when you think about health, we think about eating healthy, we think about getting enough sleep. You know, I, I don't think we really think about the thoughts that go on our head and as far as those being part of our health and, you know, our emotional and, and mental health are just as important. They're just a, another cog in that holistic wheel. And, um, you know, if we're not right there, we can't be right everywhere else. And, you know, I think you in your position are in a very, very interesting role. And as far as dealing with it, as you are a minister, you know, you, you do ranch and, you know, you have a podcast that is, is talking about challenging paradigms, change, shifting paradigms. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how do you view mental health in ranching from your perspective? Well, I, I, as I understand it, God created us as beings and he created us as beings with a mind and a will and emotions as a reflection of him. Now, he is not subject to his emotions the same way we are. We can a lot of times get drawn into, <laughs> get drawn in by our emotions and and allow them to drive the train, so to speak, rather than allowing the facts and the truth and the reality of the situation to drive drive the train. And uh, we can allow our feelings and our emotions to get in the way of those things. And 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 in that way, that's the result of of the fall and, and our rebellion and, and the sin in our lives and, and getting those things turned around and upside down. And rather than believing what God says is true, we believe what other people have said to be true and, and those kinds of things. So I think that we're, we are created in God's image, but there is that problem of the, the sin nature and the fall. And uh, so we have to constantly be checking ourselves and checking our mental health and making sure that we are not believing any lies. Mm -hmm. I think that's really the biggest problem that we face in mental health in the world, I guess, is that we believe lies as though they were true. And uh, then that can lead to some unhealthy things. And, uh, you know, we talked about it when you were on my podcast and I appreciate you coming on. And, you know, I'm not a, a mental health professional, but those are kind of the way I see those things manifesting themselves sometimes. And, uh, you know, there are legitimate places where people are in need of some chemical rebalancing. And uh, the only way to to get that, that that I'm aware of is through a pharmacological route. And so um, not calling that into question at all, but just saying that, you know, we need to make sure that what we are believing as truth is actually truth because 
truth is a powerful thing. You know, there were uh, certain people on September 11th, 2001, who believed some things to be true. And uh, they flew some planes into a building because they believed certain things to be true. So truth is a powerful thing and it can lead us to do things that might look irrational to people on the outside. And we need, we need to invite people. I think that a big thing is that we need to invite people into our lives who have the freedom to call us out when they see us going down some unhealthy paths and say, hey, I think maybe you're believing a lie in this regard. And I think maybe you're operating as though that lie were true and it's manifesting itself in some unhealthy ways here and here and here. And maybe there's some collateral damage you're not aware of in the lives of other people around you. Yeah, that's... That's a hard conversation to to have with a lot of people, but, you know, it has to come from a place of trust. You know, forming a, a bond with someone that is struggling is, is key, and it's hard to ask those questions. I, I mean, I know it from even from my professional experience um, because, you know, sometimes you don't feel adequate enough to ask those questions, but that doesn't change the fact that they need to be asked. And something that's being done for people like ourselves, who, you know, you as a minister, me as a pharmacist, we aren't necessarily mental health, we aren't mental health professionals, but we are people who folks come and talk to and we can get a good idea and see people in their everyday lives. And, you know, what what is called is mental health first aid. And you know, we are able to see the signs of people who, who are struggling and, you know, we can, we can act on those, you know, not necessarily, you know, we can't give a full on counseling session, but we can recommend what they can do. Or, you know, we can just even ask the simple questions. Are you okay? Are you feeling okay? You know, is anything bothering you? You know, things that don't seem like a big deal, but, you know, we never, we may never know the impact those questions might have. Yeah. You know, generic things like that are an important way to start the conversation. I think the biggest thing though, is that we have to be concerned enough with our own, for lack of a less uh, Christianized word, we have to be concerned with our own holiness to the level that we're willing to invite uncomfortable conversations in. And we have to be willing to say, Hey, I am concerned enough about the power of sin in my life. I'm concerned enough about the damage that sin can do in my life and in the lives of those around me if I let it run rampant in my life that I want you specifically, this individual or this group of individuals, and I would encourage you to have them be the same gender as you, give them permission to ask you uncomfortable questions because you want to be set free from the power of lies or sin or, you know, however you want to define them. But uh, I I would say those, those are kind of the two synonymous categories that they, they actually are. I think you bring up an interesting point in that, you know, questioning our holiness or, you know, we, I guess our pride a lot of the times gets in the way of stuff like being vulnerable because we are subject to sin. We are subject to things going bad for us because we aren't perfect. And, you know, what we have to realize is, you know, there was, there was one perfect man 
And he's the only one that that can can help us in this kind of situation. Now, he puts people in our lives to help us. But the important thing is we have to realize that we are not perfect. And no matter how righteous we may be, you know, things are going to go bad for us. And, you know, that's part of the atonement of Jesus Christ is that we give ourselves up and, you know, let people help us, you know, let his will be done through other people. Yeah, definitely inviting them in and giving them permission. And, you know, Jesus saves us from the penalty of our sin. You know, um, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord is eternal life. Romans 6.23, Jesus saves us from the penalty of sin in our lives. Now, he sends the Holy Spirit to help us live lives that are free from the power of sin. But he also gives us brothers and sisters in Christ who will be that fleshly reminder and that fleshly person calling attention to it in our lives and saying, hey, you are believing a lie here and you're operating as though it's true and it's starting to have ramifications for people that you love and care about. And I want to see that stopped before it gets any further. And so, you know, I think that's really important for us to invite those people in and give them permission. Yeah. Yeah, having somebody there that you trust, but also has the permission to to call you out, to you know hold you accountable, is a big part of of making sure we are are emotionally and mentally stable. Clay, we're uh, we're running just a little bit short on time here today, so I want to give you an opportunity to let the folks know where we can find you and um, a little bit whatever we haven't mentioned about your podcast, tell me about that and, uh, you know, what you got going forward. Uh, yeah, really excited about the future of the podcast and, and some different opportunities that it is starting to bring about and, uh, can't really talk about some of those just yet, but, uh, I think we're getting there, getting some of that stuff worked out. So pretty excited about that. If you want to keep up with a podcast, workingcows.net is the place to go. Workingcows.net is the place to find, uh, the episodes there. And you can reach out to me through the contact page, workingcows.net slash contact. All the social links are up there as well. Uh, so workingcows.net and workingcows.net slash contact are the places to find me and get in touch with me. And I apologize to the people who I haven't responded to yet, but I do try to respond to every email that comes in. So I'll be getting around to those again uh, real soon. I was planning on it today, but uh, loading the trucks to go to the sale barn didn't go quite as fast as I thought it was going to. <laughs> <laughs> does it ever? I mean, does it ever? That, no. Like, you got that one, you got that one cow, that one calf that, you know, turns around in the chute or, you know, they just, uh, you just there's something, there's, oh, you can never, you can always plan on it going about 20 or 30% longer time than it's supposed to. Right. You know, yep. I, I could, I've learned that from years and years of experience. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to take the opportunity to let you know again, how much your podcast is meant to me. And this podcast, the Ag State of Mind podcast, um, probably wouldn't have come to fruition if it wasn't for the Working Cows podcast because I didn't even really realize you could talk about ag stuff on a podcast. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I not the way you do anyway. And I listened to it for probably about six or seven months. And then you you had Aaron Berger on that time and you guys talked about 
the flooding in, that happened in Nebraska, the spring floods, and all the devastation that was there, and all the mm. all the problems that were you know were popping up as a result of that, and still are popping up. You know, people are going to be dealing that with for for years and years to come. And you know, you started. You mentioned something. You talked about it. Not briefly, but for you spent a little bit of time talking to Aaron about the the mental health struggles that people are going through in that. And I don't re- think I realized it until I listened to it the second time. And the second time is when I realized that that is probably the idea for where this podcast came from, is, is that episode that you had with Aaron Berger, mm-hmm. you know, back uh, in the summer of 2019. So uh, I thank you for having that conversation with him because I really think that's where this idea spawned from. Cool. Well, congratulations on getting started and uh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great adventure and uh, your podcast could not be more timely and uh, your podcast could not be um, more necessary. So I, I think it's just a really great idea for a podcast and uh like I said, the timing is perfect. So I uh, really appreciate you jumping in with both feet and getting started and, and doing something, not just talking about it, doing something and uh, being consistent and releasing episodes. So way to go. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll say the same to you. <laughs> I appreciate all you've done. So, well, Clay, again, I thank you for being on the show today. And uh, if you would, anybody who's listening, please subscribe, go check out Clay on Working Cows, uh, Working Cows on all your podcast medium. And uh, please also subscribe to this show on Spotify, iTunes, or or Google. And uh, go check us out on the Global Ag Network. Clay and I are both members <laughs> of the Global Ag Network. And uh, we're excited to, to be in there in that herd together, as they call it. So uh, yeah. um, again, Clay, appreciate you being here today. Yep. Thanks for the opportunity, Jason. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.